I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, the Bucks made it official. Baker Mayfield will start on Friday against the Pittsburgh Steelers for the first home preseason game. Uh, Mayfield was informed of that, I think, uh, about a day or two ago at least. Todd Bowles uh, finally confirming that on Wednesday, and then, of course, they will alternate uh, and flip that script in the second preseason game at the New York Jets uh, the following Saturday. And then after that, it's anyone's guess. Um, Steve, we've talked about this. I I think what's going to happen is Baker starts week one, Trask starts week two, and I think they'll probably know who the starter is by the time they play the final preseason game, And, and it just makes sense. And we can get more into this when we talk about uh, the Bucks tomorrow and, and advance their game against the Steelers. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if you go one, then one, okay, who's starting the third game? Well, if you're going to play, if you know who it, your starter is, you could play him with the starting offensive line, that group, get him out, get him safe, um, and then move forward with, you know, the extra week in between, between the season opener. Uh, if you're undecided, then they both got to play, but how do they both play behind the number one offensive line with the receivers and all of that? So it's going to be a little harder to evaluate that third game unless you you know who your guy is. Well, I I think you want to go into that third game with your starting quarterback behind the first string offensive line with your Agreed. first string weapons and Agreed. play them for a good bit. And and, and mm-hmm. you know it, it's not like the old fourth game. Right. When there was four because it was only a week plus to the regular season. You've got full two weeks. That's correct. You know, actually two weeks in a day Mm -hmm. or or Mm -hmm. two days, whatever it is, to to the next. I mean, you're 15, 16 days in between. So you want your starting quarterback to get a lot of reps and a lot of your whole offense basically together by that point. So really, after Friday's game when Baker starts, the joint practices next week with New York, which I think will be, you know, Those very will be key instructive. In this. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Kyle Trask will get his shot in game two. They may know by the time Kyle Trask starts game two who the starter is. They could. I, they may not name it at that point, but I think once you get through, uh, you know, Friday, but I think with the joint practices, I think will tell a lot because that's when you can start scripting things and, mm-hmm. and, and you're playing against someone's not your defense. And I think, right. you know, those are we've seen that in the NFL now. You know, those are almost more valuable than a preseason game as far as your top battles. Now, the preseason games, I think, mean a lot to guys 44 through, you know, 65 on your roster that are mm-hmm. battling for those last spots. I think the preseason is right. very important for them. But yes. I think the joint practices where you can actually script kind of the situations you want to see your quarterbacks, your offense, your defense play in. It's right. even more valuable, and they may know by then, but I don't think they'll announce anything till after week two. Yeah, no, all that makes sense to me, and and this is sort of you know we're not we're un, unexpected that Baker would start necessarily. Um, I guess it could have gone with Trask and just said, well, he's been here longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, the math with only three games, it doesn't really work. It's not like you can start you know one guy two games, the other guy two games. 
So we'll see how they split it up. We'll talk more about that as we uh, get closer to um, the preseason opener against the Steelers and Alm, Mike Tomlin, coming to town. Uh, we're going to have an interesting discussion. John Romano has written a terrific column, uh, and it's based largely on the latest uh, injury to their pitching staff, Shane McClanahan, who was likely out for the season. This is stuff that me and you, Steve, have talked about a lot with respect to the Rays way and why it seems that they're having uh, more than their share of these types of injuries on their pitching staff and what that means and what they say about it, what their pitchers say about it. We'll get into that in just a second. But uh, look, you already know it's hurricane season in Florida. Uh, There's still some time to keep the power on without breaking the bank. And that's getting solar battery backup power from May Electric Solar. With solar battery backup power, there's no fuel costs, no loud generator noise, no annual maintenance costs. Plus, May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty. Solar battery backup can save you hundreds of dollars each month. And if you lose power, a generator could cost you over $2,000 a week just to keep your house running. New solar battery backup systems qualify for a 30% tax credit or... You can add a battery to your existing Emphase solar system. Trust the pros to solar. To learn more about May Electric Solar Battery Backup or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. We haven't talked uh, much, if if at all, Steve, about Shane McClanahan. Uh, The news coming down on Tuesday that he is likely out for the season um, as we do this podcast uh, late Wednesday evening. Um, I think he's still in the process of maybe visiting uh, another specialist or so uh, and finding out uh, what his options are. Apparently everything is on the table in terms of surgery, uh, what kind of surgery, all of that stuff has not been uh, at least announced. But this is not a good thing. This looks for all the world like uh, at minimum he's going to have an elbow surgery and and more than likely it, it feels like Tommy John. Now he's had one in college. So this would be his second Tommy John surgery, which I don't think is ever a good thing. But when you look at this accumulation now of, you know, starting pitchers just this season, I mean, he joins Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen, um, Tyler Glass now, of course, you know, has had Tommy John surgery, Shane Boz, Andrew Kittrich before them, Yanni Chirinos, Jalen Beeks, and Colin Pochet before them. In the past 36 months, um, there's just been an awful lot of guys needing some type of elbow surgery, and most of it, uh, Tommy John, which is, of course, you know, as Romano writes, the you know the most common than ever. Uh, but here's the, here's the damning stat: no franchise has had as many high-profile elbow problems as Tampa Bay since 2020. So it's not my imagination or your imagination; it's a fact. And and John has gone to great lengths of, of documenting this. So it's time to finally ask the question that everybody has kind of, you know, whispered. We should say it out loud. What are the Rays doing potentially that may be contributing to this? Or is it just maybe a, a function of the types of pitchers that they bring in here in the first place? Well, and I think that's... That's something you have to examine too because... Mm-hmm. And Romano wrote about this and... You know, when you're the Rays and you're a smaller market team, you don't go spend as much money on players. Right. Typically now, players that get Tommy John have had it before. Or oftentimes, players need it two or three times now. Mm -hmm. So if you're not going out and 
in spending money on the biggest arms and you're trying to find bargains, then maybe you're taking chances on guys that have had Tommy John before. Shane McClanahan had mm-hmm. it in college. Drew Rasmussen right. had it twice Yeah, yeah. before you traded for him. Mm-hmm. Um, a matter of fact, you know, the Rays had drafted him originally and then didn't sign him because he had arm issues. Right. You know, so, you know, when you're when you're looking for bargain guys or guys that are a little cheaper that you take a chances on, maybe you're taking guys more susceptible to Tommy John or because they've had it before or had elbow issues before. Um, I, I think it's, you know, Kevin Cash and, and you have the quote. Mm. It's you a know, damning one. It's a damning one, actually, and it's kind of surprising he would say it. Yeah, a little bit. Here, since you referenced it, um, you know, they're talking about the Rays, and, and we'll get into, like, their history and, and, and you know, very generally. I mean, we, we know that the Rays do everything to optimize a pitcher's performance, and that includes increasing velocity and spin rate, okay? Now, the question is, does the emphasis on those things, and they're not the only organization that's trying to do that, by the way, but does the emphasis or overemphasis of that um, lead to some of these arm troubles? Here's the quote from Cash that I just couldn't get past. Um, and, you know, Kevin's been with Race now for a number of years. He said, I can't compare it because I'm not in the other training rooms, but I feel as though we try to be as, as preventative and, provoc- and proactive with maintenance as possible. In other words, he thinks, you know, we're very much aware and we, we're cautious and we, um, you know, don't try to push guys when they have something, et cetera. The second part of this quote is this, but it's fair to say something has not worked out in our favor. Okay, that's, that is some honesty there. He works for the organization and he's saying, look, the evidence is not good here. I recognize that. You know, whatever it is we're doing, it, it's so far doesn't seem to be keeping a lot of our guys healthy. Um, so he, he can't really dispute the numbers, right? The evidence mm-hmm. is there that they're getting an inordinate amount, especially this year, of course, of starters and pitchers in general, um, including some of their prospects, you know, and again, you know, you're right. Where was the guy drafted? Why was he got that low? Uh, did you get him from an organization? Um, you know, guys with arm injuries generally, are not as valued if they're coming into the league with them as the ones that haven't had Tommy John yet. Um, you know, and, and the other thing that kind of flies in the in the face of this is that, you know, very often their starters mm-hmm. throw fewer pitchers and their relievers throw fewer innings. You know what I mean? What was it? Shane McClanahan this year, what, 13 of his 21 starts? He had an extra day of rest before? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like it's not as if – you know they kind of go the other way and say, okay, let's have, you know, I mean, how many how many games have they had four or five? You know, the opener versus you know, the bulk guy and then two or yep. three relievers, and so they probably do that more than any organization that kind of started the whole opener thing. So I mean, in some respects, it's like they're not pushing their guys in terms of like, you know, two hundred innings a year uh, and stuff like that. And the, yet the, the Phillies got a complete game today from Michael Lorenzen. Through 124 pitches. I mean, that's a lot in today's baseball. It's a he, lot. he had 111 through eight. That was a career high. They let him go back out for the ninth and finish it. I mean, the Rays wouldn't do that. And and I and you know what? I people rail on that. Like, and of course, the great the great example is Blake Snell and whatever. But at the end of the day, like I I wouldn't let a guy go out there and throw 124 in today's game. Mm-mm. I mean, I re- I remember 
going back in college baseball, you know, a lot of these pitchers come from college baseball, and a friend, yep. a friend of mine, uh, his son, um, has had Tommy John um, recently, and the thing about, I always say this about college baseball, is like, just remember those coaches are paid to win, not develop, okay? When you're in a major league system uh, of a minor, you know, minor league uh, manager for the Rays or something like that, or you're in those organizations, your job is to develop. It's nice to win. You want to teach guys how to win. Um, but it's not the number one goal. The number one goal is can you develop players for, at the, for the major league level? And that means taking care of them, right? And so a lot of these college pitchers, when I, when I was covering uh, the College World Series many, many years ago, yeah, people will remember this name guy. They had a, a pitcher by the name of Richie Lewis who did play uh, in the major leagues after his college career. But I watched Richie Lewis throw 131 pitches in a nine-inning game one night in Omaha, then watched him come back a day later and come in in relief. Now, this guy was all of about five foot nine and a half. I mean, he was a maximum effort thrower. And, of course, he ended up with arm injuries. And uh, even though he did, I think he was in the Montreal organization, he did make it to the major leagues. He did not have a long career. So, you know, a lot of it depends on, too, like how much of these guys thrown in where before they made it, you know, to the major leagues. And and, and in the case of McClanahan and, like you said, some other guys, they had Tommy John in college, you know. So this is not, you know, they got to the big leagues with arm trouble and with reconstructed elbows. And so, yeah, I think I think somewhere in there um, is that, you know, the philosophy might might be a might be affecting this for sure. The way the Rays, like a lot of teams, emphasize getting a little more MPH, a little more spin rate. You know, give me all you got, but give it to me for four innings type of thing. Um, but all we know is this: is that they've lost three fifths of their starting rotation in the past four months, and it's the first time they've had to replace McClanahan. Um, since his elbow flare up just the other day, it's it's not trending the right way for the Tampa Bay Rays, and, it, and it's it's long past time to ask those questions. Romano has done the study, and um, you know you, you got to kind of look at all those things and and try to figure out if whether it's the type of pitchers they're going after, some of which have already been injured before they got here. Um, but it's amazing because and there's a big part of this story. Romano talked to Zach Littell, who is their latest uh, reclamation. And, you know, Littell is like the the perfect sort of like, and, and how many times have we seen this, right? Where they'll take a dude who hasn't done much. He's been traded twice, sold once, claimed on waivers by the time he got to the race. 27 years old. They convert him into a starter after four plus seasons as a reliever. Okay. He's two and one with a two four five ERA in his first five starts. Like the success is there, and that's why I think guys will always want to pitch for this organization. Because how many guys have come in here that sort of stammered around with a six or five ERA and they get here and they do exactly this? They get paid either here or somewhere else. Um, I think they're willing to take the risk. Whatever it is, it does improve their performance, but it, it seems like it might be coming at a cost. It does, although and it was kind of amazing to see the stat 
Ugh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Of uh, in Major League Baseball, of all the pitchers mm-hmm. on the 26 man rosters, mm-hmm. for all 30 teams on a single day in June, 40 mm-hmm. percent of them had had Tommy John surgery at some point in their careers. <laughs> Staggering to me. <laughs> That's four out of ten, man. Four out of ten of anything bad is not is awful, like really awful. Like yeah. it's almost expected. You so, know, if if I'm a pitcher, I'm going to end up with elbow surgery sometime, probably before I even get to the majors. And so, while the Rays have a lot right now, and, and maybe more than their fair share, and, and more than anybody in baseball, four out of ten pitchers on a day in June on on the on major league rosters had had Tommy John's at some point. I mean, it's not. It's not like the Rays have had this string of it and nobody else is having any. Right. You know. No, you're right. It's it, and it's and listen, I mean you talk to any orthopedic guy, right, that does study the the human body and the arm uh along these lines. And 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 I know this just from having played the game and been around the game as long as I have. The biggest singular change in baseball and I'm talking from Little League on up, is velocity, Mm -hmm. period. It's that kids of all ages, long before their bodies are developed, and even after they are developed, there is an emphasis on velocity. I mean, back in the day, when J.R. Richard threw 100 miles an hour, it was a freaking headline, you know? It was like a guy running a four-minute mile. Never happened, right? There's maybe one of one, okay, that could hit 100 miles an hour. Guy coming in throwing upper 90s, 98, 97, almost as rare. Nowadays, as Kevin Cash once said, I got a whole stable full of guys down there and throw 98, 99. That's the change in baseball at all levels. I know kids that, you know, hey, he's 16. If he can throw 90, he can get a college scholarship if he can throw it. By the time he's 17, he can throw 90. Okay, he's in college, and I heard this almost weekly. He's up to 92. He's up to 93. He's throwing 94. Oh, he went out to the camp. You know, and, and there was a good example. Um, it was Bobby Slater's kid who's the trainer for the Buccaneers, and his son pitched for the Florida Gators. Well, he went to Florida, and before he even got there, because he pitched at Eastlake, he, he blew out his elbow. Needed Tommy John surgery. And, of course, Gators kept him, and he, he made it back from there. Well, you know, out of high school, he went to one of these showcase camps, and guys were throwing, you know, at that time, he was probably throwing 90, 91, 92. And guys were out there throwing 95, 96, and they felt like, I got to compete with this dude, you know? It was a showcase. So, you know, all of a sudden, he's trying to gussy it up to mid-90s, and he doesn't have it in his body yet. So... Even if you do, even if you're fully developed, the human arm can only take so much. And they say of all parts of that arm, it's the elbow in particular that feels the velocity, okay, when you snap that arm. And that's what's been the biggest change in baseball. You can see it on the radar guns. I wish the hell they didn't have them. You know? And there are guys that can get away with just velocity, and when they lose that, they're done because they never learned how to pitch. And then there are guys who are still pitching at age 40 that don't break 90 miles per hour because they always knew how to pitch. And even though their velocity isn't what most staffs are, 
they can still go out there and know how to get guys out because it isn't always about who throws the hardest. It's who you can keep off balance. And that's what that's how you're successful in getting hitters out. It's nice to be able to reach back for 99 or 100, but you know that that's that's the singular change is is velocity, and that's what's caused the amount of injuries to just skyrocket four out of 10 and this, mm-hmm. and I don't, have you been around somebody who's had Tommy John? Like this is not an easy thing to come back from. It is, it is a grueling process. Mm-hmm. And to that point, you know, Shane McClanahan, if he has another Tommy John won't pitch at all next year at all. Yeah. No, he's out till 2025 if he has that surgery. Yeah. But they also at this point and, and smartly, make sure that that's the course they want to take because if you're going to have it, if you wait a week, a month at this point, you're not missing any more time. I mean, if he has Tommy John surgery next week or he has it two months from now, it's still coming back in 2025. Mm -hmm. So they have time to go see other specialists and get second opinions and make sure this is the right course for him. Right. Because you're late in the season. If you're early in the season – the time you know ticks away for the next season, but for next year, right? But but since since it's irrelevant, whatever it is, it is you're going to miss next year anyway. I wonder too, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the speed of of what pitchers are throwing today is incredible. The spin rate is also incredible, no question. And and the way they make the ball move and. You know, mm-hmm. if you follow Pitching Ninja on Twitter, I mean, some of those pitches are just like, how does that even, how is it even possible? Like, how does physics even explain it when you start seeing that? Well, we didn't even know. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, until mm-hmm. they were able to measure such a thing, mm-hmm. I didn't know what spin rate was. I knew, I knew the ball spun right. up there, right? But I didn't know how it would affect velocity or how it would affect movement. Yep. Like, that. Was, I didn't know you could cause a more RPMs, to be honest with you never even thought about it but it's become such a such a science now and and such an emphasis mm-hmm. for for these pitchers but i wonder even further and no evidence of this it's just you know as you think of what's changed in baseball over time sure uh-huh. the last two seasons now we're checking pitchers for sticky stuff as oh, they're coming I off the mound yeah absolutely and as they're trying to get these incredible spin rates Mm-hmm. Are they gripping the ball tighter, turning that wrist and elbow more? And because if you grip it tighter, if, you're if they don't, cause if they don't feel like they've got a good feel on it, that's right. Has has taken some of that stuff away that maybe pitchers were using a little more than they should. Mm-hmm. Is it actually hurting the arm? And, and I have no evidence. This is me just what's changed over time. And right. The spin rate and the speed has has been changing for decades now. Mm-hmm. It's gotten faster and faster. Now the spin rates we 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 monitor, but in the last two years, and and maybe they were doing it more in the minors before that. But you know, now we check pitchers' gloves, and we check their hands when they come off the mound. Right, and, we're not allowing the sticky stuff. And we're, anymore. you know, we've really gotten rid of that for the pitchers, trying to to increase hitting in the league. Mm-hmm. But if you're a pitcher that relied on heavy spin rate, meaning you've got to have a good grip on that ball. You're gripping it harder. Are you grip? Are you turning your your elbow, your wrist, your arm, just a little well, extra? You know, you, it's it's take um, a baseball or take mm-hmm. an object and mm-hmm. squeeze as hard as you can, and tell me where you feel the pressure. You know, where you're going to feel it in your elbow. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, that's just the way you're going to hit. That's where you're going to have it. So I think it's a great point. Um, and and I've never quite understood. Look, I 
I get that baseball had a problem because there were too many strikeouts. There was no offense. There was home run or strikeout. It was a hard game to watch, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the the changes they made this year have been terrific. I also think they're going to affect pitchers in terms of injuries because I I think in addition to you know checking them and not allowing them to have something to grip the ball with, um, the other part of it is is this pitch clock, you know, and mm-hmm. how how much stress does that cause not just mentally but also physically. Because I'm telling you, if you if you get the ball and throw it right away, um, and you do that enough times, you're going to lose your mechanics. You're going to lose. Uh, you're going to be hurrying through certain pitches, um, and it's not going to feel normal. And after a while, that cumulative effect may not be pitch to pitch or game well, to game, but, but or I, batter I th- to batter. I think even more than pitch to pitch that could be affecting it is inning to inning. Like. Yeah. You know, you used to throw 10, 15, 20 pitches and then you'd sit for 10, 15, 20. Now it's shorter. That's a great point. And you, you don't know, have the do, recovery. Is that a and I have no idea. And I'm not a pitcher. No, but I don't these do, are but, all good theories. So they and we won't know the data mm-hmm. until they they continue with this pitch clock for a while. Right. And and it's been great for baseball and great for watching it and following it mm-hmm. and, and and I think there's so much but is it having an effect you know, on pitchers, but is the speed of, of not just pitch to pitch, but even inning to inning, the rest in between, you know, you see the pitcher, you know, and and the dugout with ice on the elbow, whatever in between or wrapping it to keep his arm warm. It's, you know, there's a lot less time in between now. And is that having, I, I have no idea, but you know, when you look at, it sure seems like there's a lot more arm injuries now and you look at what's changed, you know, maybe that's a big part of it. And, and, and I think it they've had sense. this pitch clock in the minors for yeah. a few years now. I, I don't I, I don't know if it, if we saw an increase in the minors because of this too. Right. And I suppose there may be some data out there, or, or maybe people know, but you know, you just kind of wonder. You know, and I think overall it's good for the game, but is it hurting well, pitchers, pitchers, particularly guys that rely on that spin rate, or you know, mm-hmm. it really torquing the arm? I mean, when you're throwing ninety eight to one hundred every pitch. That that's a lot of stress on that arm because you know pitching a baseball is such an unnatural motion. Yeah, your arm's not supposed to go overhand. I mean, we're not built physically that way. If you don't believe me, how come softball pitchers can throw both ends of a doubleheader? I mean, you know, your arm, your arm joint, everything moves from the shoulder a certain direction. If you try to throw overhand, that's opposite of the movement of the arm and the shoulder, um, and and so it does create a lot of strain on on the arm in general. So yeah, I mean, I I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think all of that has has to do with why arms are so vulnerable right now. But you know, man, oh man, I mean, it's just it's 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 hard to fathom that you can tell a guy, you know, even if you're playing catch, you know what I mean. Start throwing the ball within a few seconds of catching it, and tell me how your arm feels, or play a slow game of catch. Right, catch the ball, get your body right, turn, point your glove towards the target, throw it, wait a few seconds, catch the ball, wait a few more seconds, and then inning to inning, you know what I mean? Like if you got to rush right back out there, there's a little bit of recovery that happens, you know? Now, the danger is like, you know, how many times can you get up and down and let the arm cool down and get back up and cool down? 
So so some of that might not be great for your arm either, but any muscle is going to get tired if you overuse it. And, you know, to the extent that when a guy's out there pitching and he throws 30 pitches in an inning, what's going to happen to him? Well, he's not going to last very long because he's going to have, you know, if your pitch account is 80 in the fourth inning, you're probably not going to finish that game. Why? Because you're burned out, you know, because you, know, you only have so many throws during a nine-inning game that your arm will be able to sustain and continue to play at a high level. So it's the same thing, you know, if I'm getting up and down, up and down, um, that that also could affect it. But, yeah, I, I, I think just cognitively thinking about pitching and thinking about being on that mound and having to go back out there, you know, with very little time between innings or between pitches, that's got to cause some stress. I know mentally it does, but I would think physically it would too because you just don't have the rest and recovery between innings or between pitches. You know, I think I think that's been the advantage to hitters during this uh, during this season. But I don't know. It's fat. It's a fascinating column. You have to read it. It's on Tampa Bay dot com, the Tampa Bay Times. John Romano, who's been uh, studying this now for a little while, trying to com- com- comprise or compose some of the numbers, compare um, all those comms. Uh, he's done a nice job, and and it's a very worthwhile discussion. One that I know the Rays don't like. One that I'm sure they've heard before. Um, but it's haunting and, and you can't get around it. Why, as John writes, does this keep happening to the race? It can't be coincidence. And I think all the things we talked about, the type of pitchers they go after, maybe they have to shop in the bargain basement or the damaged goods or whatever. Um, you know, all of that has to be a factor as well as just the general emphasis in baseball, velocity, spin rate, all that stuff. So fascinating read by John. Do, do we have? Um, we're going to get to a mailbag question or two. Is there a mailbag we, question? We do have a this? couple, and they, it kind of uh, dovetails off this. So, yeah, uh, Craig in Vegas had tweeted us. He says, "When will Major League Baseball work with travel ball, little league, high school to stop with the wear and tear on these kids' arms? They never shut down. It's all year round. The NFL works with leagues to make football safer. It's time for Major League Baseball to help out these arms." I love that suggestion by Craig, who's one of our uh, great listeners and, and asked a lot of great questions when we asked for a mailbag. Um, like I said, talk to any uh, pediatric um, anything, really, um, orth- orthopedic guy. They see, and they see it in all sports, um, not, not just baseball, but especially baseball, but not just baseball. And they're overuse injuries. And listen, you know, again, grumpy old man in my day, um, but it's it's inescapable. And, and science will show you this, that the specialization that we're forcing our young kids to, to decide and declare one sport or dance or whatever you're into and do it early and do more of it because, you know, you got to be on travel ball if you want to make your high school team. Um, or you better play AAU basketball if you think you're going to have a chance to go to cut. Like, we're making these kids earlier and earlier. When I say we, the collective parent group think uh, and coach think, are making these kids declare earlier and earlier, what are you? Are you a soccer player or a baseball player? Are you lacrosse or football? Like, And that never was the case. And so what happens is, and and I've talked to these guys, these orthopedic, pediatric orthopedic 
dudes that are doing surgeries on 12-year-olds and 10-year-olds um, for all sports, and they're saying it's overuse. It's simple. You know, you're not developing your whole body. You're, you know, if you're soccer, it's the legs or the knee or the whatever. If it's baseball, it's the elbow and the arm. Um, you know, and they see these these common injuries that are just from overuse. Instead of building the whole athlete, right, if you played basketball, you got cardio, you built your legs up, you built your, you know, your uh, core up, Um and then, you know, there's some throwing involved in that, shooting, of course, but different muscle groups are being used and not overused. Then you take that out to the baseball field or, you know, maybe you run across country as I did when I was younger um, and build up your endurance and, and your core. And You know, I think the better athletes, the ones that are the superstars of the game, played more than one sport, mm-hmm. you know, and some do even today. The best athlete, one of the best athletes on the Buccaneers is Tristan Wirfs. And I'm convinced that if he plays eight or nine years, he's going to have a gold jacket. That's how good he is. You know what Tristan Wirfs is or was? One of the best athletes, played every sport, was a great baseball player, was a great wrestler, uh, you know, did so many different, because I've talked to his mom about this. She kept a single mom, him and his his sister, involved in all kinds of sports their entire lives. He would drop weight like 45, 50 pounds to wrestle in high school and then put it back on when he went to Iowa. Like, this cat, you know, looks like he could have played shortstop for, you know, the Rays. I mean, that's how his, that's how good his feet are. But those guys did everything, you know. and And find me, even today, somebody that's a stud superstar in, in any sport. And I'll find you a guy that probably played a number of different sports. Um, a lot of, a lot of football players were recruited during basketball season. They never even saw them play football. They saw the tape, but when they actually went to visit them, they watched them play basketball, you know, which showed the competitiveness and showed their speed and different things. And, and coaches signed them off the basketball court to go play football. Tony Dungy was one of those guys. You know, first time Tom Moore saw him in Jackson, Michigan, was playing basketball. And he was being recruited to Michigan State and to Minnesota. And Michigan State had the home field advantage. Not just so it turns out that Tom Moore was recruiting him and sat with Tony's mom, who talks all the time, and the Michigan State recruiter sat with his dad who doesn't say three words, and Tom got the player. Um, but the point is, your best superstar athletes – Bo Jackson, I mean, you can go back as far as you want. They played a lot of sports, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think it's I think that's hurting anybody that that has to specialize. And you know this, Steve, because you're you're getting into that youth baseball world and soccer and all that. If at some point somebody's gonna tell you, Hey, your guy's gotta play AAU ball, he has to choose. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like that's the way it is now, and I hate it. I hate it for the kids, and 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 frankly, I think it's leading to more injuries. In fact, I know it is. All right, cogn- a great question. Cognitively dissonant asked, "What happens first? I win the Powerball, or the Rays have McClanahan, Glassnow, Eflin, Boz, Rasmus, and Springs make it through a season?" You win the Powerball. <laughs> well, someone and in Neptune I, I, Beach who just won Mega Millions for one point five. Is that where million. they lived? 
Yeah. Yeah, I heard it was like 1.6 billion. Yeah. Jesus. You know, if that happened to me, what? Would, I mean, just to segue out of this a little bit. <laughs> First of all, I don't even know how much money that is. It's more money than I can find. Well, I think the and lump think, sum is would have been like seven hundred and sixty million dollars, seven seventy in that range. Okay, so I'm take I'm probably taking a lump sum. And then yeah, well, out the, yeah, and then the government's going to take forty percent of that tax wise. So all right, so you're down to a, a mere four hundred million. Yeah, or so. uh, yeah, four four fifty if, if you can get by. But you know, if you made if you made ten percent on that, you're making forty million a year anyway. So you're living off the interest anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. If that happened to me, the first thing I would say is I'm going to hell. Like I don't know what your faith is, but like there's no way. There's the old passage: it's easier for a uh, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdoms of heaven. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, this is so unfair. Like I don't know what I'm supposed to do with all this money and why I was given this gift of of like ridiculous wealth while I'm still alive. But it can't mean that it's going to be good after this. <laughs> I've always said this, like, this is a horrible thing to think about. Like, you know how they always say when someone passes, like, oh, he's in a better place. Not if you got $1.6 billion, you're not, you know, because this is pretty much heaven on earth. You can do whatever you want, right? Like, it's weird to think of it that way, but, like, that's what a lot of people I know that have money think. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know if it's going to get any better. But, um, yeah, one point six. can you imagine? Gosh, I hope you didn't put that ticket in the laundry, right? Like, yes. I lose everything. I lose everything. I've got reading glasses all over the place. I know there's about four pair. I couldn't tell you where they are, right? Can you imagine? Like, I would be, I would, it would be the guy that's like, I know I have the winning number, but damned if I can find the ticket. What did I do with my ticket? And sometimes that happens. Sometimes those tickets aren't turned in. They know they were purchased, but until somebody shows up with it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just weird. But we segued out of that. But, how do, what do we get into the? Uh... We got we got one more raised question, then we'll wrap it up for today. Okay, let's do it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Rooting for UF ask. Mm-hmm. Why didn't the race cheat in July? <laughs> well, the record would indicate they did not cheat at all because that was one of the worst and historically bad July, but they certainly got things turned around in August. I want to know specifically, what did Wander Franco do? What what happened to Julio for him? <laughs> because <laughs> it was no bueno. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what July is for Julio Franco, but man, August is really good. That cat is complete. And and I am. And listen, it's this is not a secret, right? Your best players play well, you win. How about the way? This offense has turned around. I mean, all of them since Wander Franco started just ripping the cover off the ball mm-hmm. with power. By the way, well, when when your top of the lineup is Yandy Diaz, Wander Franco, and if he's hitting, and we know Yandy's been hitting all year, and Randy Rosarena, and then you have Randy Rosarena behind him, it just sets mm-hmm. the table for everybody. Yeah, it does. And and you know, all of a sudden, you know, 
what was missing in July and even late June was they weren't putting hits back to back to back. Right. That's right. You know, I mean, that's it's kind of what happened in the loss to St. Louis on Wednesday night. Is I mean, both teams had nine hits in the game. Mm-hmm. St. Louis's were putting them back to back to back and scoring runs. Surrey hit two home runs yeah. and they got two runs out of it. Yeah, T- I mean, Tampa Bay what, had three home runs in right. the game, but the hits were all scattered. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and where Just St. Louis was getting them, you know, in in, in succession, and that's how you score mm-hmm. runs. You right. know, Tampa Bay didn't that night, but but overall, as an offense, you know, at the beginning of the year, we kept talking about how relentless the offense was. Oh, because it was crazy. one guy gets a hit, and the next guy does, and it was just it would steamroll in a good way, right? And in July, it definitely didn't. Well, the one thing that's come back is their power. They're starting to hit more home runs again. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, again, Surrey leads this team now with twenty three. Yep, incredible. I mean, just. It's it's hard to fathom that that guy would have been who had Siri and Paredes as your home run leaders for the race. Those they're, they're neck and neck. The AA is twenty two, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. But they got off to such good starts, and they've just kept continuing. He's just rare power. He's he's a great player, but um, could hit for a little more of an average. Still susceptible to to the breaking ball a little bit, but yeah, their their bats are starting to come around again. And it's unfortunate. Uh, I don't know if the Orioles lost. They were losing three to two. Um, but that lead was two games going into Wednesday night. Um, the Orioles have a tough track coming up. They got one of those West Coast trips where they go yeah. Seattle. They lost eight to two. They did lose eight to two. They gave so up another Rays, five runs in the last two innings, just like they did the night before. Yeah. Oh, how about the walk off of the grand? Or not the walk off, but the grand slam mm-hmm. to uh, uh, to fall fall behind uh, the other night. So the Rays could have been one game out. There's still yep. two at least, uh, more than that in the loss column, but. Um, this next, these next three series for both the Rays and for the Orioles, I think, I think you might see a script flipped here a little bit. Although the Rays still have to figure out their pitching and how they're going to maintain it without Shane McClanahan. Anyway, check out John Ramona's column. Uh, we will preview uh, the Bucks who have practiced, but there's no availability to us. We'll preview their first preseason game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and maybe even have. A couple more of your mailbag questions to boot as we wrap up the week. Thanks for listening. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tempe Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.